You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Folks, we are still in Australia. Praise God, we're having a good time. The Spirit of the Lord is moving. I am super excited. I just want to get to a few things before we get to this week's podcast. Number one, thank you for your patience with us and all the transition with our new website and web platform. So much has changed, so much has been updated, upgraded, and there has been a little bit of confusion. Some things have fallen through the cracks. There have been some technical issues. Thank you for your graciousness with us as we've been ironing everything out. Keep in mind, if you have any needs at all about anything, that is order questions, um, questions about literally anything, write to us through our support.bridemovement.com portal. And what you will find at support.bridemovement.com is a help desk, which means that you can type your question into the search bar and we may have an article that already answers it. Uh, We had found that we got a lot of the same questions over and over again. And so if you can get the answer to your question without writing us, how much better is that? You don't even have to wait for an email back from us. But if our question cannot be resolved in a simple email, just write to us through that portal, support.bridemovement.com, and we will be back in touch with you. We want to help you in whatever way we can. I want to let you know that my wife, Christian, has been doing her Christian business um course here at Bride Ministries. That six-week course is just about to end, and she is going to be doing it again for those of you that missed it in April. That's going to be showing up on the website. You'll be able to sign up there and register. It is not free, but it is worth it. And so, be sure to um, you know get on that if that's something that you missed and you want to participate. If you haven't gotten the app, you can do it at the Google Play Store or at iTunes. On the app, you will have access to free uh, recent sermons. If you go to the website from your computer, you'll have to purchase those uh, recent sermon series. But on the app, they're all free. So there's a win-win here. You can get the app and get free sermons why not? Also, what many of you love, which is our prayers and prayer resources that we make available for free online, those are on the app as well as our website. Those never go away. And um, so we have tried to make the app like your all-in-one where you just get the best of everything right at your fingertips anywhere you are. Now, I want to let you guys know that we still do have the Institute at Bride Ministries. And if you would like to learn more about any subject that we go deep in, whether it's Realms and Dimensions Unsealed or the subject of what it means to be in Christ. I mean, we have those courses available at the Institute and that that is there anytime you want or need it. For those of you that would like to be trained to be part of our Deity Coach Mentorship Program in 2021, You can sign up and start that application process now by going to the ministry page at bridemovement.com and going to the section which says, I want to be a coach with Bride Ministries. There is an apply button. You press it. You log into member.bridemovement.com. That's where it takes you and you will land yourself on a form that you can fill out, fill it out thoroughly because understand if you apply for this program, um, we take these applications very seriously. We do not accept everyone that applies into the program. And uh, this is something that is training um, at a very deep level. And so we want to um, invite those of you that feel called to this ministry of working with survivors of satanic ritual abuse and government-sponsored mind control agendas and just deep wounding and hurt Um that is there for you. Now, we also have the Bride Tribe Advance coming up. Don't miss it, please. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be here at the Tanglewood Resort in Texas. And you can sign up for that at bridemovement.com. Okay, there's more stuff, but we're going to get to the program. We have something really, really exciting for you today. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to Discovering Truth with Dan DeVall. real treat for you. Something that is entirely unexpected. I got an email from someone I don't know. And uh, the gentleman that you see next to me, for those of you that are watching this on YouTube, uh, was being promoted to me. His name is Ken Roberts. And I was looking at this email like, no way. This isn't happening. And you know why? Because Ken Roberts was my pastor, when I was in elementary school, (laughs) 
middle school and part of high school. My family actually attended his church. And uh, it was one of, you could say, the largest charismatic churches on the west side of Cleveland at the time. And I, I could not believe that my former pastor, that I, I mean, I met him when I was like eight, <laughs> was being promoted to this podcast. I'm like, my gosh, what has the Lord done here? So I got back to him and I said, let's do this. And folks, I am sitting down with Ken Roberts. Uh, welcome to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Hey, I'm glad to be here. And I was as shocked as you were. I got the email back, you know, when I was actually booked on this. And the lady said, hey, Dan said that you were his pastor a long time ago. And so I was, you know, trying to think. I, I remember the Duvall name, but I was trying to put it all together. So because it, it's been a little while. And, and <laughs> just I was a thinking, little while. A, a little while. So you know, I, I may have grown a beard. Like, you have, yeah. You I didn't have little, that when I was 13. <laughs> you look a little different. How much, how much different do I look? Actually, you don't look that much. I don't think you've aged a day. Oh, uh, well. Must I've, be the aged, I've aged a little bit, but yeah. So, But it's great to see you. Great to be on your podcast. And just, you know, you never know where life leads us. And this is another example of that. It's like, wow. And I looked at your website and what you're doing, this podcast, another thing that's like, man, we, know, we never know where the journey is going to take us. And that's so, so true. Well, and, and the honest truth is that my journey as a kid through your church was part of the seed that went into the ground that produced my life in this ministry. Well, well, yeah, that's encouraging. It encourages me, and I want to encourage you as well, because, you know, really, Dan, we, we don't know until the very end. We won't know until one day who we've influenced and how we've influenced them. And a lot of times in the natural, we don't often see that. We don't often see the, the seed and the result of it. We don't know. You know, sometimes in all of our head, we have to deal with, you know, things like, am I helping anybody? And, you know, and what's this all about? And so I think there'll be a day when we're going to have a lot of stories, I believe, in the eternal kingdom. And a lot of those dots are going to be connected together. Like, wow, I had no idea. I think that's, uh, there's going to be a lot of stories like that. So uh, I want to encourage you with what you're doing. And you're encouraging me just by knowing you stayed on the journey and you're now helping others. And somehow I helped you a long time ago. So that's pretty neat. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, folks, let me tell you, um, my guest has a website at KenLRoberts.com, and he is really focused at this point in his life on developing leaders. And uh, we're going to talk about his journey to this stage in his life because I, I recognize that you are at a unique stage in your life, and, and yeah. you would call it a convergence. But uh -huh. uh, before we get to the full exploration of that, I, I want to uh, press rewind and let you talk to us a little bit about what produced your journey to where you are, actually pastoring a church that grew pretty large, I right, mean, right. relatively, and then moving on and pastoring another church, navigating tragedy, and the the bumps along the way yeah. personally. Yeah, awesome. Well, you know, my background, well, short, short of that, you know, I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad, when I was at the age of six, my dad was already 30, 30 years of age and had six kids, made a decision to uh, start pastoring in a full-time way. We moved from Michigan, Niles, Michigan, all the way to Savannah, Tennessee, 600 miles down, you know. And that became kind of my journey. And uh, I'm in the middle of seven kids now. I had a sister that came along later. And Dan, for me, uh, growing up in the church was a was a very positive thing. My dad and mom were, you know, what you saw on Sundays, what happened on Monday. You know, we traveled with my dad. We were all musicians and traveled and sang in 60s and 70s, a long time ago. And, uh, you know, learned a lot about God, learned a lot about, you know, the Holy Spirit. Uh, it was a good experience for us. Uh, and, and so that was my background. Then uh, after college, I moved to Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio. And I helped uh, a friend of mine that was also in Bible college with me plant a church. And we planned a church here, the one you were talking about. We planted a church here in 1980. Uh, and actually, that church uh, grew quite a bit. It grew because in this area, uh, the Catholic charismatic renewal had just kind of hit. And people who are maybe familiar with that or not, but the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit was spilling over into churches that normally did not believe that. And so it was hitting all types of churches that that was not their fundamental belief and it hit the Catholic church pretty hard. And this is a large Catholic area and people again be, begin to have this relationship with Jesus Christ and the relationship with the Holy Spirit in a different way and begin to look kind of a place to land. 
and our church had just started, had just been planted. We were all young, a lot of young people, young adults, and so it grew quite a bit. So I was there, and uh, I was there for uh, actually 25 years. And uh, so my, my background, you know, in that area has been uh, fairly, uh, I made a commitment to Jesus Christ at the age of seven. I still remember it. My, my dad's little Assemblies of God church in Savannah, Tennessee, and I raised my hand in the back, came down front, you know, and I've been a fairly authentic follower of Jesus Christ ever since. You know, I've tried to be obey, oh, faithful to his word and try to do the right things and all those things. But uh, all of us come to bumps in the road many, many times, many different bumps in the road, you know, and mine, mine happen uh, specifically might happen in like the year 2000 and mm-hmm. uh, that kind of led me to where I'm at today. And i tell you what happened with me. I, I kind of, as a, as a, I began to, I hit the, I was what called, I hit the wall, you know, just as a leader. And what, what I mean by that is I began to realize that what was happening in me was different than what I was projecting you know, you have this professional thing every week you got to get up and, you know, you, you're speaking and you're deleting. And, and I began to realize there was a gap from my inner life than actually my external persona. Mm-hmm. And I knew for me that it was going to get me in trouble if I didn't kind of drill down and figure out what that was. I didn't get in a ditch. I wasn't addicted to pornography. I wasn't running off with somebody. I wasn't doing things. I wasn't skimming money off, the, you know, but there was, uh, there was something like, the, there's not an authenticness in my life that's happening. And I was in my early forties and I've got to really figure out what this, what this is. So I started asking some very serious questions in my own life. How can I dig my own well deeper? What is ministry shaping me into of somebody who I don't want to become? Am I moving in a direction, you know, that's just not healthy. It's not going to be good for me. It's not going to be good for those I'm trying to serve as well. So I began to ask that. That was the one question. The other question I began to ask, I began to ask the question, as a church, as a local church, what are we really producing? And I know, you know, a church isn't a, it's not a, uh, it's not a factory. And, but I want to use the example, you know, if you looked at the material in, processes through, product out, asking, are we, and I began to ask, are we producing authentic followers of Jesus Christ? And I was uh, not happy with some of the things that I was really having to assess. And so I started mm-hmm. to ask the whole thing. I, and so I basically went through a season in my early 40s of really reassessment. Who am I? Mm-hmm. Who am I becoming? What's the life of the kingdom like in my own life? Where's the gap between what I'm projecting and really who I am? And then I began asking a lot of hard questions just regarding about you know the, the, the church and uh, the systems of the church and some of the things we were producing, I think it follows Jesus Christ. So that was the big first big step. And then I obviously, uh, I had another big step that came a few, few years later. Well, uh, I don't know if it was so much of a step as it was just absolute tragedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happened? Well, our church, we, uh, when you were there, you, when you were still there, uh, you know, we, for 20 something years, we met in the high school auditorium. You remember the high school auditorium? Uh, no. Every year, every morning we set up and tore down. And, you know, we had grown to 800 to 1,000 people at the time. And every week, all the sound equipment, all the children's ministry and all the stuff, you know. And we were finally able to, to buy land. It was a dream of ours, buy land. And we ended up building a large facility, large church, big campus, et cetera, et cetera. And we were only in that, uh, that was uh, June of nineteen. Uh, of 2003, June of 2003, we moved in that large facility. We were only in there uh, nine months when a major tragedy had in my life, happened in my life. And the tragedy that happened in my life is that uh, it was a March 4th, 2004. And uh, my wife, her name was Debbie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on Tuesday morning. Monday was always my day off. So Tuesday was kind of our normal, getting ready for the work week. And we, I, I came downstairs and made coffee. Was in the living room doing my devotions and having some doing some reading. Debbie came down about thirty minutes later. Got her coffee. Came in that living room, and we had our normal conversation. And you know, who were the kids going to be this week? And who's coming over Wednesday night? What's going to happen on Saturday? Just all those type of navigations. Went back upstairs to change, get ready for the week, get ready for the day, and kissed each other and told each other we loved one another. Uh, my wife Debbie dropped my daughter off. Her name's Nicole, and uh, to our church, who she was one of the receptionists. And I went to work out at a health club. I just got finished working out, and I still remember it to, you know, to this day. And I was on my way back home. We lived in Fairview Park, which is on the west side of Cleveland. 
on Interstate 90 was getting off. My cell phone rang, and I picked it up, and it was my daughter, Nicole. And um, Nicole said, hey, Dad, the hospital's looking for you. Mom's had an accident. And she said, that's all I know. Now, what happened is they had, they had found my work number, called the church. It happened to be my daughter who was the receptionist who knew my cell phone. So she called me, said, Dad, they're looking for you. I went back by our house and picked up our son. His name was Britton. Britton was 19 at the time. And we rushed to the hospital. And as I got to the hospital there, I walked in. There was my wife, uh, her, uh, Debbie, wife of 25 years, uh, laying in a coma. And, wow. uh, mm. and the story is mm. that she, after she dropped my daughter off, she was on her way to a women's Bible study. She went there every other Tuesday morning to this women's Bible study from our church. And uh, she had a brain aneurysm and passed out and went through a red light. She was on a little two-lane two street, not a major thoroughway uh, or anything. Went through the red light. She was heading south. And it was a blind spot there. There was a convenience store, a little pine tree. She was heading south. A young man, he had the green light on his way to work, 21 years of age, uh, heading west, uh, hit her in the door. And uh, she was going 35. He was going 25. And her, brain, her head hit the windshield. And uh, between her brain aneurysm and the damage to her brain, she never came out of the coma. That was on a Tuesday morning. And then she was pronounced dead uh, at lunchtime on Friday. My God. And so here I am. I was 47 years of age. Mm. We'd been married 25 years. My daughter was 21. My son was 19. We just moved in this large auditorium. It was kind of the dream of our life. You know, after 20 years, we finally got a place to call home and all that type of stuff. And within nine months, you know, it, uh, everything was turned on its head. So that was a very defining moment in my life. I've had several of those, you know, I've had three or four of those over the years. One was the 2000 I was telling, telling you about where I kind of hit the wall and began to ask serious questions. Mm -hmm. And now I really see it as a setup for what was to come, you know, it was okay. set up uh, and we'll that maybe a little bit more. And the, obviously this other one was, uh, was on this Tuesday of 2004 when I was killed in a car accident. Yeah. And you know, uh, I, I actually remember that. I, I, I remember, we weren't, um, I don't think we were still attending your church at that time, but my family had some friends that were still attending. Still were, your church yep. at that time. Yep. So we got word of that and it was like, yeah. wow. Yeah. And it's well, always a shocker because the question immediately becomes, why would God mm -hmm. allow this? Mm -hmm. And of course I know that you had your own wrestle with yep. that yep. and um, tragedy is, is really hard to navigate sometimes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Why well, was a big question I had, you know, Dan, I'd always been the you know guy that had tried to do, to do right. You know, I'd kept my nose clean. I hadn't been in trouble. I hadn't gotten in trouble. I try, I tried to be authentic with who I was. I try to help other people, you know, most of my, not all of them, I'm sure, but most of my ambitions or desires were, fairly pleasing, you know, to, to God. I was trying to do his will. So you do go through that, you know, really scratching your head saying, why you saying, God, I, I was one of the good guys, you know, what, what's this all about? How, how does this really happen? I probably landed on a moment, maybe more a little philosophical, theological, philosophical way in my own life. Mm -hmm. And that is that I believe from a biblical Christian worldview, you know, we live in a world that's, uh, you know, that's, that's stained. And therefore, as we walk through it, some of that's, we're going to get some effect of that, you know? So, uh, you know, God didn't cause this to happen. You know, that's, I don't have that theology at all. What mm -hmm. I do have theology of it though, that God will use all things. Come on. If we'll allow him, no matter what it is we go through, whether it's abuse or, you know, sickness or suffering, suffering or whatever, you know, he doesn't allow those things. Those are, those are part of a sin cursed world that affect us as we go through them, as we go through this world. But God, he will use them, I believe, you know, to, and I believe he uses us for two things. And this is kind of my own uh, life message. If you were to cut me open, these things are not going to come out. And uh, I believe that God used them for primarily two things. And the first one is he uses them to shape us more into the image of his son. Now, again, I don't believe that God puts suffering on us just so that we can now become more like Jesus. But I do believe as we experience these things in life, that if we'll, if we'll embrace him, if we'll allow him, he'll use them as, as a scalpel. He'll use them as a sculpting tool to help us become more of Jesus Christ, because I think that's his ultimate goal for us as we walk up on the planet. 
am I becoming from the inside out? Not in a religious way, not in an external way, not in a legalistic way, not in a religious way, but in my own journey with Jesus, as in my own inner life, am I actually becoming more and more like Jesus? And I begin to realize that. Dan, I can only say it was by God's grace, it was by illumination, that from the very beginning when this tragedy happened, I somehow knew this would be the most defining, my, defining time in my life that I ever experienced up to this point. Mm-hmm. And I knew how I walked through it would determine who I would become. It would shape me for the, for the better or for the worse. It would either move me more toward being shaped in the image of Jesus or away from that. Mm-hmm. You know, as I, the classic cliche is, it would make me either better or bitter. And I just knew that from the beginning. And my my decision was, God, I want this to to move me toward becoming more like you as I go through this. That's the one thing I think God does with whatever we've gone through. You know, I think he helps to shape, he, he will shape us in the right way if we allow him to. The second thing, which is, it's just, it's just mind boggling to me. God uses these things in our life will will allow him to move us toward our destiny, not away from it. And those two things together. Now you don't know them when you're necessarily walking through them. Maybe you've read a book, if you heard a podcast, you've heard somebody else say it, but until you go through it yourself, you don't really realize it because you're in the valley. You're just trying to take a step at a time and get through it. But once you go through that and you get on the other side and you look back, you realize, wow, God used this in my life to shape me more to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And he used this to move me further into my destiny, not away from it. And so that's part of my life message now. And I realize that that's what God did in that season of my life. And now that's how I try to help others with what I'm doing. Now, here's the thing. Tragedy uh, has a mm, (laughs) proclivity towards causing people to lose focus, Um, scatter us. Uh, Things don't work out. Now our head's all over the place. Um, Doubting God, doubting ourselves, and uh, it's even worse when we don't know why we were doing what we're doing in the first place. Exactly right. Yep. I want to spend some time letting you talk about focus and, and you know, how going through these two defining moments, uh, climaxing and the passing of your wife, yeah. um, I mean, really caused a reshaping of your understanding of your focus and mm-hmm. how you coach others in pursuing True focus. Yeah. One of the things I found, I mean, I've always been a fairly disciplined person. You know, mm-hmm. I've always appreciated a lot of the personal development literature, uh, although I think it has mixture, a lot of mixture in it. But I've always been with somebody who's been very purposeful. You know, it's just kind of, I'm kind of made that way. And so I've always kind of been that, that in that direction. But one of the things I've experienced in, in just with relationships and with pastoring and just in general, my observation is that uh, oftentimes, uh, I, my theory is, my conviction is, followers of Jesus should be the most purposeful people on the planet. But, and here's the big but, but I don't think we are. No, I completely agree. <laughs> and so part of my passion has been, even before I went through what I went through, part of my passion has been to help people, you know, to live a life of purpose. And by that, I don't mean a life of purpose like, you know, we're, we're moving up the economic ladder of the American culture or, you know, I don't, I don't mean that. I mean, from a biblical point of view, a kingdom point of view, we have a responsibility to steward what God has given us. And I believe the greatest gift I can give God when I get to heaven I don't get in heaven by merit. We all know that. I don't get in there by, you know, my, the works that I've done. But once I get to heaven, I think the greatest gift I can give God is what I've done with the life that he's given me. And many people from a biblical worldview don't think that way. We've got a little bit of salvation by grace. We just try to stay out of trouble, not, you know, not get in really bad trouble so we can trip over to heaven when we get there. And if we can, between here and there, just kind of, you know, not mess up, Hey, good. But I don't think that's biblical at all. I don't think it's kingdom at all. Come on. And I think that I think the kingdom understanding is grace has come to us. We didn't deserve it. Grace by through salvation. But also he's graced us in our own life. He's given me certain time. He's given me certain abilities. He's given me certain intellect. He's given me certain opportunities. He's given the same to you and all your listeners. That also comes to us by God's grace. 
He enables us to do things. And I believe that we are to be good stewards with that. So at the end of our life, we've done what God wants us to do with our life. Now, I don't think God's will is a straight line. You know, and if we get out of line, he's going to slap us. I, I don't believe that at all. That's not what, that's not the drive of this. The drive is not to try to get my acceptance by doing good for God. My drive is grace has come to me. I want to be a good steward of what he's given me. And Dan, I just got to tell you that, you know, I, I just, a lot of followers of Jesus don't approach life that way. And part of what my desire is, is to really to challenge followers of Jesus to think about being a good steward of their life. And then also to, to possibly give them some tools to do that. So that's always been in my life. It was further, obviously, taken deeper through my own questions about what I was doing in my own life and through the questions of, you know, through Debbie's passing, mm-hmm. you know, at the at one moment you're there, you're there and another moment you're not to say, ask the question, what are we doing with our life? Are we being good stewards by what God has given us? So that the end of our life, we'll have something to give back to God. So that's the whole area of focus. And what I, you just said, and what I find is that many people, have either never had the chance or the opportunity or the material or whatever to actually kind of figure out from a biblical point of view, from a kingdom lens, what God's divine design is on their own life. I call it the North Star. I think everybody should have, everybody should understand their North Star. And why I use that idea of a North Star of a compass is because I don't think it's a straight line, but I do think it's a general direction. You know, the direction of my life, I'm 63 as I do this podcast now, the direction of my life it hasn't gone left and right and left and right and left and right. You know, it's, it's, it's morphed 10 degrees over time, maybe. Mm-hmm. I say, I can say it's morphed and matured, but it hasn't gone all over the map because I've had an understanding that God has a basic North Star for me, for my life. And if I keep moving in that direction, I think I'll have the greatest contribution to others around me and purposefulness of my own life and is to really help people focus their life so they can live a fruitful life that's what i call it you know followers of jesus christ to be able to focus their life so they can live a fruitful life and what i mean by focus i mean having a pretty good idea of their north star of their purpose so they can move in that direction you know i I really appreciate what you're saying about that you know and i i meet especially in the realm of those that we at Bride Ministries are trying to help. We do a lot of ministry, as I was, I was talking about, to you know, survivors of satanic ritual abuse, mm. um, people that have highly traumatic backgrounds, yeah. huge degrees of brokenness. Yeah. Um, one of the characteristics of having so much baggage uh, coming into the kingdom is a, a pattern of moving from crisis to crisis. Yeah. Uh, so much so that uh, life is more of a survival rather than a objective. It's like, it's hard oh, to be intentional about go. a bigger Good. picture when yeah. there's so much calamity surrounding the right now moment. Uh-huh. And so we spend a lot of time uh, developing solutions and tools to get people out of crisis living, uh-huh. out of the right now moment and um, into that stream. But we learned a few years ago that, you know, that, that's obviously not the limitation of, of, of what God is building here for us. We're like, no, we, we're going to be like David taking his mighty men from the cave of oh, Agilom that's good. Yeah. to mighty men. So we have to now cover all of the categories from deliverance oh. and inner healing to yep. how, how do you become successful at what you set your hand to do so that the, the, the plow is producing fruit? Like how, how are you, you know, walking this thing out long term? And what you're saying is exactly how I've lived my life. And oh. here I am, little 30-something, we have this now international platform. But oh. in pursuing all of this, from the time I was... 21. God gave me a vision. Yeah, literally, I was sitting yeah. down on the floor okay. and having open visions, right? And okay. he's showing me like, this is what I have for you. Well, and that became a roadmap. Yep. And along the way, he's had me do things that sometimes look like a sharp left. It's like, well, if you're going there, why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. And the faith is, it's actually an unexpected building block. Totally. It's so, and, and, and it's so interesting. Well, you know, um, People look at Bride Ministries now, and I think we are getting a lot more respect. When I first launched our internet church, 
people were looking at me like, that's not a real church. <laughs> that's not real ministry. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's what God told me to do. Yeah. Well, it turns out it is a real church and, yeah. and a lot of people are being blessed. And there are people looking at our model, like mm-hmm. how can we reproduce mm-hmm. that? Yeah. And it's all working towards a bigger thing, right? Yeah. Because we're still going after the vision. And the way you describe a North Star, it's like, dude, that's, that's the track I've been on. Yeah. You're let articulate. Me, yes. Let me, let me give the five things real quick, if I can, regarding the, just the whole North Star that will help, I think will help people, you know, real, real quick. One Absolutely. Is, when I help people discover their North Star, and, and Dan, here's what I've been doing for the last, you know, 20 years. And actually, I'm writing, a, I'm writing another book on it. I've had a chance to write a few books. and I've, I've enjoyed writing. I'm writing a book right now called Focus. A Practical Guide to a Fruitful Life as a Follower of Christ. But here's what I'm doing. A lot of the personal development literature that's out there, which is, which is helpful, and a lot of them have truths of the kingdom in them, but they've been you know, twisted a little bit. I'm writing a whole book using some of that, but taking it to a biblical worldview, not just you know, a secular worldview, because the motivation is different and the means is different. And here's what I mean by that. The motivation is stewardship. It's not, it's not success in the world. Mm. Now, it may lead you to successful things, to, you know, to more fruitfulness may, but that's not the reason. I'm not trying to move up the ladder. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be a faithful steward to God. So at the end of my life, I'll hear him say, well done, good, faithful servant. So the motive is different and the means is different. A lot of the personal development literature, you know, again, comes from basic humanism thoughts, meaning I'm my own God and I can do this. Set my mind to it and, you know, do the right things and et cetera. I can make this happen. And obviously there is a lot to have to do with perseverance and discipline and et cetera. But from a biblical point of view and a kingdom point of view, the means is God gives me the enablement to do it. Mm. I still have to work with him. Mm. You know, it doesn't fall out of the sky. But everything I accomplish I realize I accomplish it because of his grace, not because of my abilities, not because of Ken Roberts, but it's because of God's grace who's now working with me. So the means and the motive is different. And so I think we, we need a whole different mind shift regarding uh, being focused, having living on purpose, because a lot of material on living on purpose, even as, that is seeped into the church world, is really, it's really me-centered. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not kingdom centered and it's really, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit flipped instead of, I want to be purposeful for the right reason, but we have to be purple. But so let me give you real quick, let me give you just the five steps I use in discovering your North star. Okay. Uh, number one is, is what is called, I call it, you can either call it early formation or sovereign foundations. And what that means is we all have journey. We were all born at some place, somewhere, sometimes certain families. We've all experienced things in the formative years of our life. Good, bad, both, you know, horrific, pleasant. I mean, you know, we, we, we all have those both sides. From a biblical understanding, though, is that God will use those. He didn't cause those, but he will use those. And again, some of the things that you guys are doing, you know, is helping people work through some of those, you know, uh, shattering experiences. If, if they will work through them, it's kind of step one. He will use them. He will use those experiences later in their life. So that's what I call, that's what I call sovereign foundations or early formations. I was born at a certain time, to a certain family, to a certain place, you know, et cetera. And that still affects me today. So that's that step one. Uh, step two has to do with, you know, people really finding their basic, their, their primary gifts, you know, and I have an easy way for people to do that. Here's, you know, I'm, I'm good at this. God's graced me here. You know, those type of things. That's the second thing. Third thing is their passion. It's interesting, Dan, is that when I coach people, that's, that's a blockage for a lot of people. They don't, they, they're unable to communicate their passions. Mm-hmm. They can't dig up, you know, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what gets me up in the morning. This is what I cry about. This is what I rejoice when somebody, you know, does and whatever that is. So people's passions and throughout church history, and again, I don't want to get too detailed in all these, but throughout church history, we've often has seen desire as evil and it can be. But in the redemptive understanding of, you know, the cross and us being restored to the image in which we were created, because that's part of the redemption process, 
is our desires can end up being leading us to God, not away from God. So people, you know, having their desires, what God, what have you put in me? What makes me tick? What do I love? What do I cry about? So that's the third thing. The fourth thing is our temperament, you know, knowing how we're uniquely made. And God uses that and aligns us to where he wants us to go. God's not going to, he's not going to give me a North Star and then create me in a different way that's not in alignment to what my North Star is. For example, you know, I'm a contemplator. I'm an introvert by nature. I'm a thinker. I'm a strategist. I like being alone. All those things now in my life, they, they reinforce what I do and what I produce and how I help people. So that's, that's a temperament alignment. Uh, you know, the fourth thing is really is, is our ongoing uh, life experiences. I'm able to communicate to you now and those, you know, on the podcast about uh, living with purpose and about going through tragedy and letting God use it in your life to shape you and lead you to your destiny. I'm able to use that now. Why? Because part of my life experience. So people's life experiences become part of their North Star. And then the last thing I would say, you know, is it has to do with also what God has said to you. God has said to you over the years. So if you bring all those together and a person really looks through those in his own, in their own life, I don't know how many people I've coached with this, but it just, uh, it just becomes so clear on the wall. It's like, wow, this is obviously Dan's North star because here's what I find. Um, most of our North star is already God has already put in us. If he'll add more, we'll have encounters, we'll have illumination, we'll have experiences that will further deepen it, you know, bring us more aha moments, those type of things. But who you are today, a lot of it's already in who you will be tomorrow and where you're moving tomorrow in your North Star. So I think it's just, that's my burden, not only to talk to people about, inspire them to live a, a focused life and a purposeful life, but to also give them tools to help them move in that direction. One of the things I've always been burdened about, uh, you know, even as a pastor, I've always been a practitioner. I've always been, okay, if God is saying this to us, but second question has always been, how do we do this? How do we get there? How do we bring it into reality? How do we make this practical so we can do it? And so mine is really on two lines, inspiring people. You know, let's, let's, let's live a fruitful life. You know, let's be a good steward of the life God's given us. And then tools. Okay, how do you how do you discover what that is, and how do you move in that direction? That was a long answer, but you got a lot of my heart there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most definitely. And and you know what? This is the thing, right? Because you are now at this stage in your life into leadership development. Yeah. I mean that 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 is the stage of leadership you are in, where you're not um, just working on building. Uh, and even passing on what you have built to others. Now you're almost standing back and just. Um, I mean, really just sowing into people's lives. Mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 and I want to talk to you about how you view the different levels of leadership mm -hmm. and um, give some examples about how you know, people can strategically move through them with intention. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's what one thing I'm doing now. So I help you know people with the, the focus of their life. The other guy I help is a lot of pastors and Christian leaders, and I call it. I say it this way. My little tag is help them live well while they lead well. That's the way I kind of put it. And you may be aware of it. You know, in the in the church world today, you, at least in the West, and I know you have you have listeners from all across the world, but in the church in the West today, the dropout rate, fallout rate, burnout rate among pastors and Christian leaders is at all time high, and it's growing every year. So that's a pretty that's a pretty shocking stat. And so I think the question becomes, you know, how do we how do we stay in this thing and stay in it over the long haul? That's yes. what I say. But not only staying over the long haul, how do we stay on the long haul and remain healthy? And when I talk about healthy, I'm talking about healthy from the inside out. I'm talking about our own spiritual life. I'm talking about our own sensitivity to the spirit. I'm talking about our own life of faith. I'm talking about our own authenticity. You know, because uh, you know. The church is a, I've always said, is a dangerous place. And many a dangerous places, we can get very deceived because it's, you know, it's, it's routine. And it's, it's most challenging, I think, for a pastor. So it's, it's asking the question, who are we becoming? That's, that's living well and then leading well. How do we continue to do this and continue to grow so we don't get stuck? 
And here's what I found, and some of this is new to a lot of leaders, uh, to other leaders it's not necessarily, but there was a man out of Fuller Theological Seminary many years ago uh, who, who studied 5,000 leaders. And he studied leaders in, in the Bible, throughout church history, and contemporary leaders. And what he came up, he was kind of a clinical, he was kind of a, you know, um, more of a, uh, an, an engineer clinical type study. But what, he, what his data found is that it seems like that God, in his wisdom, has somewhat of a pattern that he leads leaders through. Now, this isn't a formula, so don't, don't think of it that way, but a kind of a divine pattern that seems that God has used in developing leaders. And he came up with what he calls, you know, six different stages. And I've studied this and lived it for a long time and teach others on it as well. But it helps a leader, as you were talking about, if, they, if you understand these six stages, it gives you perspective of where you may be. Here's the way I like to say it. It's like if you know these six leaders, the six stages, you can, Dan can fly over your life and it's like, wow, in God's development of my life, it looks like I'm right here. And what that does, it helps a leader realize how he can stay in it over the long haul because he begins to realize there's kind of a, a pattern that God is using to develop his life. So let me give you those six real fast. Um, the first one is sovereign foundations. We already talked about that in the other. Uh, but sovereign foundation is basically we're all born a certain time, certain place, certain way. We have certain experiences. Uh, the second stage is what's called the inner life stage. And that's where we begin to develop our own journey with Jesus. We're learning to study the Bible. We're trying to be obedient. We're learning to hear his voice, you know, those type of things. Then stage uh, three is what he calls ministry uh, development or ministry maturity. We're starting to learn how to teach or lead or do a Bible study or lead worship or whatever it would be. We're, we're kind of starting to learn how to lead in the context. And that's usually about skills, skill development. Then a leader moves to stage four. And stage four is the most critical stage in the life of a leader. And stage four is what Robert, J. Robert Clinton calls the life maturing stage. I call it the staying power stage, but it's the same idea. And really what, what stage four is, is where usually a leader, it's the most difficult stage in their life. Mine was in my early 40s, early to mid 40s. I hit the wall personally as a leader. I lost my wife three years later. The church I was pastoring went through great difficulty. I had about a seven-year span of very, very difficult waters in my life. And that's what's called stage four or staying, staying power stage. And here's what happens. In that stage with most leaders, it either, it either makes you or breaks you. That's the stage that most leaders either have detours in, mm -hmm. they, have they get derailed, or they get in the ditch. Or the other thing happens. It's what God uses to take them through so that their own identity in him, their own clarity of who they are, their security in Jesus Christ, the clarity of their purpose. They're not this. They're not that. This is what he's called them to do. They come out of that on the other side. And as they come out of the other side, that, uh, that stage makes them and it makes them who they are. And then they move into stage five and I'm in stage five In stage five of what's called convergence. It's when your sovereign foundations, your gifts, your passions, your ministry experiences, your life experiences, what God's done in your life, what he said to you, they all come together, converge, and you are very focused on making the greatest contribution according to what God, how God has uniquely designed you. Now, here's the thing that's sad about that is all the stats show that only about 20% of leaders ever make it to convergence. Wow. That's alarming. They usually get stuck in stage four. They don't always get in trouble, but they just get stuck. Just, you know, hey, I'll just stay here and stay here and keep doing what I'm doing, doing what I'm doing, and not move into that sweet spot in their own life. And then stage six is what's called celebration. And celebration is a, is a leader that's lived a faithful, fruitful life, and they're now just living in the afterglow of that. They're living in the spillover of that, you know, in their own life. So knowing the stages is very helpful, and I lead a lot of leaders through them. My specialty is you know, what God's done in my own life is helping leaders in stage four. Mm. Again, I call, I call it staying power, helping leaders as they're going through difficulty and at, helping them to ask the right questions in their own life, stage four. And then my other area is really is stage five, which I call sweet spot. You know, it's, it's convergence, but I call it sweet spot. I help a lot of leaders figure out their North Star, how to get there, 
how to move into convergence so they can be hitting, I say, the right nails at the right time. They're focused and they're hitting those, those nails. That's so, so that's what I'm doing now. That, that's so good. Yeah, and, and you are doing it. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more okay. in a little while. <laughs> um, but I want to zero in on some of this stuff here. You go ahead, yep. Okay. So, so first of all, um, as you're describing that, right, you can just begin to see all the different kinds of pitfalls, right? Mm-hmm. Like the person that wants to uh, train and get all the skills before they've even been through stage two, right, you're right. which is an internal development. Right. I just want to. Yeah, exactly. Um, and here's and, the thing that's interesting about that. Now let's just circle back around. Things that we've, um, things that we've compromised or neg- neglected to build in life in stage two, those are the things that usually in stage four come back to bite us. Mm. You can almost track them back. You know, mm-hmm. I, I compromised in my inner life development stage two, or I wasn't quite obedient to God's word. I always kind of, you know, shoot around the corners or didn't quite, or I didn't, I didn't hear to learn to hear his voice clearly. Then I got involved in ministry. So I started doing these skills and just doing the work. Almost always it comes back and bites us in, in stage four. I, I like to look at it like pillars. Yeah, this is, this is one of the thing, like like some pillars when they're solid, they are load bearing. Mm. Yeah, you could put a hundred thousand pounds, and that yep. pillar is not going to shake. Yeah, it won't be moved. Yep. Um, and then there are other pillars that you could just watch uh, collapse with almost a paperweight on top of them. It's just like, oh wow, that's all it took, huh? Same a, thing. Same thing. Great illustration. And, 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 you know, the Bible says to him who overcomes, mm. I will make him a pillar mm. in my temple, right? And, and so, good. Uh, th- yeah, th- this is um, a, a really, really good thing. Now, I, I, I want to talk about discipleship okay. and fathering mm. in the body of Christ okay. and how that contributes to some of the problems that occur on the leadership development track. And let's talk about your own life. Um, how well would you say you were discipled and fathered along the way as you were taking on all of these burdens and responsibilities and becoming this, I mean, significant pastor in the region and what it took to lead up to that? And how did that weigh in on your journey through the hard times? Excellent, excellent question. And I just say, Dan, you put, I think you put your finger on right and the major issue to me and it's a discipleship, you know, just in general. Uh, I, I would say I was not perfect, but I would say I was fortunate again, because, you know, I got a lot of indirect discipleship just through my dad. Mm. You know, I grew up in a great family, a great father, had love, watched what he did, watched who he was, you know, et cetera. And a lot of, a lot of guys, a lot of people can't say that. So that's a, you know, that's a, that's a missing element we know in our, in our world and our culture. So I got a lot of it. I got a lot of it. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have called it discipleship, you know, but I got a lot of it just through my, my dad, through my parents, through my home for many, many years. In my early years of planting the church here, we were part of a movement that was very, very involved and very focused on discipleship. And I think, you know, it had, it had strengths and weaknesses. It had a lot of strengths and had some weaknesses as well. Uh, but overall, that was very, very strong. The downside of that, though, is that most of us early on were all young. So we didn't have a lot of fathers. You know, I had my father, spiritual father and a biological father, but we didn't have a lot of spiritual fathers. And I would say looking back, when I hit the wall in the 40s, I didn't have other than my dad. I didn't have a lot of other I didn't have a lot of spiritual fathers in my life. You know, we were kind of all young and we were going to take the world. And, you know, there was a lot of mixed ambition there. And, the, you know, a lot of it was God. Some of it wasn't. Well, it was, a lot of it was our own ego and pride. And so, you know, you, you don't realize you need fathers usually until you hit the wall. Wow. That's as long, deep. As long as, you're, not, long as you're sailing and things are going straight and, you know, you're, you're winning the world. Hey, who needs help? Who needs fathers? It's me. And I'm, you know, I, I don't want to oversay things on your podcast but because i'm not sure where you're at but you know we just have too much we just have too many rock stars in the church 
today than just self-promotion. Preach it. Go ahead. Say You know, self-promotion and just, you know, putting our own stuff out there too much. Um, and we don't have enough, we don't have enough fathers. So I would say I didn't, I didn't beyond my own, my own dad, which was extremely helpful. Now I had a lot of close friends. I had a lot of great colleagues, uh, in the Cleveland area during that time. There was a, the body of Christ was in a lot of unity. A lot of us worked together. There was a lot of prayer among pastors was a lot of crossing over lines and denominations, you know? So I had a lot of good colleagues but I can't look back other than my, my earthly father that I really had many spiritual fathers. And what I'm finding today in what a lot of the coaching that I do is that with leaders, it ends up being more what you're just talking about. It ends up really being more of a brotherhood or maybe a spiritual father, spiritual dad to somebody. Leaders today, they're not looking for systems necessarily. You can find those a lot, a lot out there and they're helpful. You can find skills by going online, by reading a book. I mean, you can easily grow in skills. But a lot of leaders today are looking for somebody that's been there and somebody that's a safe place and somebody that simply is going to draw them out, going to encourage them, going to ask them the right questions, you know. Uh, and what I find out has, has ended up happening with my lot of coaching, my, a, lot of, a lot of my coaching, which I, I didn't really plan it this way, it ends up being really a spiritual brother. I'm just on journey with younger guys. I know some of the pitfalls. I can help them may avoid some things. I can, but they just want somebody in their court, you know, in their corner that they can have conversations with, they can ask questions to, they can get advice from, they can get encouragement from, you know. And so I think you're very right. I think, I think true discipleship and true spiritual fathering is something that's greatly desired today and is really, is really wanted. I just, um, you know, when you said that only 20% of leaders ever hit convergence, yeah. first thought that came into my head is there's a reason why. Mm. Yeah. There's a, there's a reason why. Something's broken in the way that yeah. leaders are being raised up in, in the body. And of course, like, you know, this is coming from a, a guy, like I actually wrote a book called Wounded by Leadership because mm. coming through some of the things I went through like mm. early on, yep. I, you know, I went through it. I mean, I, I don't hide that at all. Well, and then I, I had, didn't know, I didn't know you wrote that. <laughs> I, I may be in your book. You are not. <laughs> I, um, I might, I, uh, you know, I mean, it's one of the things though, we look back and you realize you would do things different. Anybody who's, I think, I heard a guy say one time, a uh, teacher in Body Christ many years ago, said, you know, I, I, I never trust anybody, uh, anybody who doesn't walk with a limp, <laughs> who doesn't walk with a limp. And now that you walk with a limp, you understand what he's talking about. You know, life, life shapes us and makes us, you know, who we are. And then you look back and you realize, yeah, you, you would do things different, you know. That's who you were at the time. That's what you understood at the time. That's where your head was at the time. That's where your heart was at the time. But I think any leader over time, if they're going to have longevity of fruitfulness, there has to be a growing self-awareness. There has to be a growing humility. There has to be a growing openness, you know, to relearn things, to relook at things. You'll find leaders in this, a lot of the literature shows this. The longer a leader goes, they either become more, tight in a closed box or they become more open, you know, to the, to the mysteries of God, to the vastness of the kingdom of God, you know, and uh, you can usually talk to a leader and you know, exactly it wouldn't take you long to realize kind of where they're at. So, well, and and, I mean, you've seen it. I've seen it as well. It's, um, you know, I'm the only safe source of the revelation of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, mentality right. where no one else can say it right. Right. And so I have to protect the yep. flock from every other ex- external influence wow. and you isolate. Now I've seen people um, actually um, inadvertently been part of very isolating leaders. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, you know, this is one of the reasons why I love doing the podcast because I get to continually bombard yeah. myself and my audience to so many different voices. Well, yeah, I honestly, I did not know you wrote a book like that. I'd like to maybe off, off air or whatever, draw you out on that some more at some point, because I, I'm a learner and I like to, I like to find out uh, what people's journeys are, what they experienced, why they experienced it, 
those type of things. And uh, so that that's very interesting. So anyway, we kind of went around a curve. You were talking about, you were talking about. <laughs> no, but we're talking, we're talking about the issue. We're yeah. talking about, and this is, a, this is what we're talking about. Why is it Why? that only 20% of leaders hit convergence? And I, I bring this up because, wow. look, look, okay, there, there's several smoking guns here. One, okay. before the day of the Lord, God will send Elijah who will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Now, mm-hmm. we know that John the Baptist was Elijah to come. The Bible says that. But there is, it's almost like a telescoping prophetic thing that happens where this agenda of heaven to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children remains in mm-hmm. perpetuity, even now. Mm-hmm. And that the kingdom of God does not function when the fatherhood issue is broken, system. Oh, it just that's doesn't so work. true. Well, that's and, so true. And, and what, what, a, what a great way to say it, too. Well, that's so true. Well, and, and what about the ultimate temptation of Jesus, right? If you will worship me when I show you all these kingdoms of the earth, I'll mm-hmm. give them to you because the authority has been given to me. So Satan is trying to get Jesus to worship something and subdue all mm-hmm. of his authority and kingdom underneath a different government because the government was supposed to be under the father. Huh. And so, they're, they're, you know, the whole thing, it's like, why mm. would Jesus spend his whole ministry pointing us to the Father? Like, there's this massive, massive huh. component of kingdom living, which is sub, submission and service unto the Father, right? That's and really so good. that is reproduced in the culture that happens on earth. And if the Father thing is broken, the whole government is broken. And, huh. and, and so... Wow. We have to talk about it. And, and this is like my journey. My journey is that I had to come through that. I had mm-hmm. to get broken on the issue. And mm-hmm. then I had to get over my brokenness on mm-hmm. the issue. Yep. And I, I got hammered. I got oh. hammered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, more recently, you know, I had to come back and apologize to my own ministry because let me, let me just say, you're going to crack up at this. You okay. are going to laugh. When we launched the Bride Ministries Church, it was originally called the Fireplace Church. Okay. I engineered a strategy to run a church without actually having to be present because mm. I was so broken on the issue of leadership. I'm like, uh, if I'm actually leading, all mm. I'm going to do is hurt people. So I will create a forum for people to have community without mm. leadership. So I engineered the system. I said, I will have these pre-recorded mm. things. We'll create a platform. We built it. We streamed it. We had other people discipling the people that were at the church and I was nowhere to be found. I didn't even stream my own services. I hired someone to do wow. that. You wow. know what? The whole thing crashed and burned. Mm. We started our peak, maybe 200 people logged in live. By the mm. time we ended, 20. And half mm. of those were the moderators. So they mm. had to be there. And <laughs> what was the broken thing? It's like I was not fathering well, my own mission. And uh, God had to correct me on this well, big time. And he said, you know, your biggest problem is that uh, you won't step into your seat. Uh, and if you don't sit in it, someone else is going to, well, something else is going to, uh, uh, you know, a yep. usurping spirit. Right. And, um, you know, well, I, I had to get bullied on both sides. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Well, it's obviously, even you're talking to me, you know, I'm thinking through, through, through what we're talking about. This is probably part of your life. This is going to be one of your, your life messages. Because when you start talking about the Father and the kingdom and how it all comes together, and it's like, wow, there's a there's illumination there. You know, there's, that's, you know, like I say, when you, you cut somebody open, you their life message is going to come out. It's just going to, and when you started on that, so like, I'm sure, I know you do other things as well, but it's like, wow. There's something there because you've been through it. Let me tell you, I got rebuked. See, this is an open book, right? Yeah. We could talk about it. I had so many issues. And one day I said to God, you know, it is in spite of fathers in the church that I am where I am. Mm, Wow. And, you know, later on, God came back to me. He said, uh, Mm. you by denying the ministry of the father deny your very call well and it's just like hit me like a ton of bricks it's like Mm. gosh and you know i i i i think that i am not the only one no you're not at all totally you're not at all um this is good so so let's talk about 
effective fathering because obviously you know now you are in your sweet spot right and you're doing this for Mm -hmm. men and you know women i I don't know who all your clientele are but but you are actually making yourself available to journey with people to father people to coach people and all that what have you learned are some of the qualifiers like why does god trust you to do what you are doing now Mm. That's a good question, Dan. I don't know if I've been asked that before. That's a good one. Well, I can tell you some of the things I think I've learned. I think I'm learning. You know, um, one is one of my one of my approaches, which has been very helpful, is that um, I'm a fellow traveler. You know, just starting from that position helps a lot. It's like I'm not miles down the road. I'm not sitting at the top of the pyramid, talking down to you or anybody else. I'm not the sage with all the answers. It's like, you know, I'm a fellow traveler walking with you and walking along somebody and I have my journey and you have my journey. I think that positioning in the heart and the head is, is huge mm. to begin with. So I would, I would say that. Uh, secondly, I think it's, you know, it's, uh, you, you know, coaching techniques, but one, one, and I've always been this way, is I love asking and drawing out instead of just uh, telling everything I know, you know, but it's, you know, Dan, where are you at? What's God doing in your own life? You know, what, you, what do you think's next? What hurdles have you had to overcome? You know, you know what's God working in your own life? Uh, where, where are some of your dreams? I mean, it's, it's you know, so I think that's uh, you working with younger leaders. Uh, that's part of the position I've taken and wanted to take is that uh, I want to learn from you. I've learned some things. I've got some experience. But, you know, I want to learn from you. And I think if leaders really feel that, then they open up. They want to walk, you know, they want to walk together. Then the other thing is just what we said earlier. I mean, I think everybody's, everybody needs a safe place. Everybody needs a, a place of encouragement, affirmation. Uh, drawing out the strengths in somebody's life and not beating up people in, with the weaknesses because we've all got them. We've all got our bruises. We've all got our, you know, dark spots. We've all got our disappointments. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with, you know, as well, trying to be a good listener, mm. uh, you know. Uh, so those are some of the things I think. And then I honestly say, I, I, you know, and I know that you have uh, discernment and, and, and deal with areas in the spiritual realm a lot. I would also say, and your audience would understand a lot of what I'm saying here, I feel it's a grace God's given me. Amen. My dad, who just passed away, just two weeks ago. Uh-huh. My dad was 80. My dad was uh, 89. Wow. And what my dad's anointing, one of his anointing was, was a father. Dan, I had men who you would have known the church that were you, we were part of that would go with me to my dad's house. He lived in Tennessee. We, we were from Ohio. And these men were men who would, had been grown up broken. And when they would be around my dad, they would just weep because they felt the father's heart. They just felt the father's love. So I grew up in that context, you know, and I think I inherited some of that. And I think it, it's part of my, it's part of my call. So when I talk about, you know, fathering or, or helping leaders, it's not just the skills and the techniques. I mean, I've been trained and I read and I enjoy and I like, but I think there's anointing, there's an enablement that goes with it. And part of the enablement I think is the enablement is that there's a, there's a safe place of the trust factor. There's a sense. Of, there's a sense that this guy is for me. You know that he he wants to help me become all I'm supposed to be and make the contribution of the kingdom. This is not about his kingdom, about his pyramid, about his coaching network. You know, this is about me and my journey and uh, helping me to get there. And so I think God's given me a grace as a spiritual father, and uh, it's something I'm very. Something's been entrusted to me, something I'm very aware of, and something I want to guard. So good. Well, folks, I know what you're thinking. How can I talk to Ken? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Folks, you you actually can connect with my guest, Ken Roberts. And he has a website, uh, www.kenlroberts.com. And he offers a number of things. He actually does open up his schedule to development um, he has some courses online that you can sign up for and take some of those packages 
they come with one-on-one coaching sessions and then there's ongoing options and so forth. And you can explore all of that at KenLRoberts.com. Now, do you have any books? Yeah, I've got two. Uh, one, I've got a book. It's called Unexpected, Navigating Life's Unforeseen Turns. It's a, it's a book, Dan, I wrote after Debbie's passing and that it's a little book, but it talked about how to navigate through difficult seasons and how to allow them to be used for you and not against you. That little book has helped thousands of people navigate difficulty. So anybody who's been through difficulty knows other who's been through difficulty. I'd encourage them. It's called Unexpected, Navigating Life's Unforeseen Turns. That's the first one. The second one I wrote was a book called Staying Power, Five Core Ideas to Sustainability in Christian Leadership. It's for, it's for leaders, Christian leaders. They don't have to be a pastor, but if you're involved in Christian leadership. And really, it just talks about, you know, how to stay in this thing over the long haul. Part of it's my stories in there as well. Again, it's helped thousands of leaders as well. Those are two books that are available, and they're both, they're both on my website as well. Well, folks, um, that is the word. Uh, Ken Roberts, thank you so much for your uh, time and ministry. This is just such an uh, amazing synchronicity after all these years to be reconnected through the most yeah. unexpected avenue. Yeah. Um, but it's been good. I really enjoyed this interview. And so, folks, until next time, God bless and God You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at brideministriesinternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.